God said, I need somebody willing to get up before dawn, milk cows, work all day in the fields, milk cows again, eat supper, then go to town and stay past midnight at a meeting of the school board. So God made a farmer. My administration will be focused on three very important words. Jobs, jobs, jobs. This man must be a minister, a social worker, a diplomat, a tough guy, and a gentleman. And of course, he'll have to be. And that's right. My name is Scott Adams. You're listening to the Scott Adams Show. I don't know. We're having a lot of difficulty, uh, a lot of technical difficulties today. Um, but I want to welcome to the, you to the Scott Adams Show. And hopefully we're going to have a technical-free show going forward. We'll see what happens. I'm joined, actually, by Leonor Cravota. Hello, Leonor. Hello, Scott. So the French election happened over the weekend, and and it pretty much panned out as expected. Yeah, it completely panned out as expected. I wrote a piece um, on spectator.org, the American Spectator, where I basically talked about the odds, and my piece appeared um, Saturday early evening. And, and at that point, they were for- forecasting that Macron, the incumbent from the centrist uh, Republic on the Move party, would beat um, Marine Le Pen of the National Rally Party 57 to four, 57% to 43%. The actual results came in and he um, still won won the race as predicted, Fifty, but it was slightly higher, 58.55 percent, and she was 41 comma four five percent and and the abstention rate which we thought would be about 30 percent turned out to be 28 percent so what this means is emmanuel macron has been elected to a second term a second uh, five-year mandate that french law prohibits him from serving for a third term so this would be his uh, a third consecutive term let me put it that way he's still a young man he could always run for president again in the future but not not the third time right now. But Marine Le Pen, the important thing to, thing to take away from this is that she, the National Rally Party, which was originally called the National Front, it was founded by her father, Jean-Marie Le Pen, in 1972, got further in this race than it ever did, achieving almost 42 percent of the vote was much higher than it ordinarily did. And and, and the other, other point to take in account is that they both had a lower percentage of the um, overall registered voters because there was such a high level of abstention. And this is one of the highest levels of abstention in French history. So this is showing that people were apathetic about the election because they didn't like either candidate. And for the future, that kind of means that Macron is going to be governing in a circumstance where people don't like him that much. But you you and I talked about this uh, yesterday. I think people perceived him as the devil they know, whereas uh, Le Pen is the devil they don't know. And while I don't necessarily agree with some of the more extreme comments about her, you know, the way, you know, people perceive her, I think she has uh, nuanced her position. She did throw her father out of the party at some point, you know, and she did uh, speak out against his uh, Nazism that he had shown in the past. So she has stood up in some ways. But when you look at 
the polling that took place after the final debate on April 20th, people were saying that they thought Macron would be the better candidate to lead France on the economic front, to make the country more competitive economically, but they gave Le Pen high remarks on immigration and national security. So you're going to constantly see this battle still happening. And one thing that I've read a lot is that When the economy is bad, people talk a lot about national security and immigration. So if the economy improves, and right now France has high inflation rate, the highest highest inflation rate since uh, December of 1985, they are, you know, they're currently in a, in a scenario where things have to get better, just as things need to get better in the United States. So it's going to be interesting to see how Macron governs, governs because he's going to be getting a lot of pressure to go more to the left because Jean-Luc Mélenchon, who uh, got a third of the uh, votes in the first round, he is running to be prime minister. And if he becomes prime minister in the uh, June elections, that will create a little bit more of a tension to move to the left. So it's going to be a very interesting dynamic to watch. So Macron is also termed out. So yeah. that means he can't run again. He can't run again consecutively. He his, can run down the road again. But his party has been tarnished a little bit by you know, some of the remarks that he made that I thought were just you know, terrible. Uh, indefensible uh, was when he basically dismissed the citizens of France who were not vaxxed and and basically said, you know, you're not even citizens. He basically he used a very pejorative yeah. term to describe them, and then he later tried to say I was joking, and uh, you he know, wasn't joking. And people said, well, you know, if the president of France calls me blank blank blank, I didn't think he's joking. Yeah, it's 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 was really ridiculous, and and again, that was that push really to get the the uh, social credit score system in place, uh, and they're still pushing this vax thing, and and you know, it's interesting too, you know, the whole global vax thing is is just a situation where um they don't have the numbers to pull it off so it's a globalist scheme okay. but i, I want to thank you for yeah i'm you know, happy I know to that stop you, by you have other things you have to go and do but um I, you're like our, our our resident expert on French elections. So, so check out my article, even though it's uh, now yeah. it's two what's, days old. What's the name of the it, article? It's called Who Will Be France's Next President? Yeah. Expect that there'll be more coverage of the election. But if you Google under my name, uh, starting with my first name, Leonore Cravota, you'll find you'll find that article. And I also wrote an earlier article about the first round. So that so you will find that there. And uh, one yeah, more Leonora thing. Leonore and Spectator. If you put those two words in, you're going to find Leonore. No. Over at Spectator. And, um, and, and expect that there's going to be a piece appearing from me about China um, very soon. What's that going to be about? Yeah, um, well, it's going to be a print piece, and it's about how China has used its Communist Party to um, take advantage of the other Western countries economically. They operate more like a corporation. So it's a book review, but it's actually very interesting. I wrote it a little bit ago, but it's going to be in the print magazine and will also eventually be online. And if anybody's interested in getting a copy of the print magazine, they should just write to feedback at redstatetalkradio.com and, and I'll send them a copy. And you'll get a copy of that. Yeah, if and they're if interested. they put Red State uh, down, they get some sort of a discount? Um, no, it's not a subscription. Uh, <laughs> I'm, just sending them, I'm just sending them a copy of the oh, magazine. Oh, I see. Oh, that wouldn't... That, Oh, that would be nice. Yes, if that anybody's nice. really interested, I will I will send them a copy. Okay, mm-hmm. and um, and they should mention Red State. They should mention Red yeah. State. Yeah. 
to let us know where it's all coming from. And I'll talk about that more at another sh- on another show. Okay. All right. Yeah, well, great. great to be here. All right. Thank you. All right. So, you know, um, also over the weekend, there was the Trump rally, and uh, he endorsed J.D. Vance. J.D. Vance, my favorite, my favorite guy, J.D. Vance. Um, but, you know, he made a pretty good um, statement, Trump. And um, I, uh, I, I respect that he, he is a stand-up guy and owns his position. And so Trump remarked that he said, J.D. Vance in Delaware, Ohio, uh, uh, he said this. You know what? He's the, this is what Trump said about J.D. Vance. You know what? He's the guy that said some bad crap. He used the S-H-I-T word about me. But you know what? Every one of the others did also. In fact, if I went by that standard, I don't think I would have ever endorsed anybody in the country. So if he went by the standard of who likes me, uh, I guess he wouldn't be endorsing any, anybody. And what's interesting is that in Michigan, um, I'm reading this now because, you know, I understand they have the primaries in May, but I'm reading this uh, from 100% Fed Up. It was posted over at uh, Gateway Pundit. Uh, historic humiliation. Trump endorsed candidates sweep establishment GOP picks as grassroots rise up win against all odds. So in what can uh, in what can only be described as a historic election, Michigan GOP delegates wiped out decades of establishment rule yesterday. Now this is an article that was printed uh, yesterday. So I guess it was Saturday at the GOP state convention with their votes to elect Trump endorsed election integrity candidates. Christina Caramo for Secretary of State and Constitutional Attorney Matt DiPerno for Attorney General as their choice to run in the 2022 general election. So for these two particular seats, the Secretary of State and the AG, they already made their decision this past weekend. And these are not going to be, you know, these are not going to be... uh, uh, Soros style DAs and AGs, you know, that's, and for Michigan, uh, that's what you need. You need a strong AG. We saw, you know, the problems that, that were associated with a weak AG in Georgia. Because when it comes to standing up against election fraud, you need somebody that really cares, you know, about election integrity. And that would be these two. Uh, individuals. They were Trump supporters. They believe that a fraud was committed in Michigan. And so going forward, it's looking like a red wave, but not just a red wave, but a ruby red wave uh, that's starting to emerge across the country. It's going to spell big trouble for the Democrats. And that's, uh, that's actually pretty exciting when you think about it. Um, because we need to take our country back. And it starts with the 2022 election. I mean, you know, this is not the Wild West. We can't just shoot them up, you know. Now, we got people rotting in jail. We need to get them out. If we have, uh, if we could take our Congress back, we can get them out of that jail. And we can uh, right the wrongs 
and maybe even get rid of someone like a Christopher Ray, uh, and and do a lot better in that regard. Um, so there's that. And then uh, today also there's some activity going on with regard to Elon Musk. And you know where we've been talking about that, the Elon Musk situation uh, is kind of an interesting situation. And the dynamics that are going to play out on that are going to be uh, very powerful, very, very important. Um, one of the things that uh, happened to me over the weekend uh, is that my Truth Social account became active. Like I, I had been waiting for two, you know, I was like two hundred and fifty thousand on the list or something, and finally, it just, it just got, became active. I think I, I tried it. It didn't even notify me, which I think was, you know, kind of like not smart for there for them. Um, they're not really sending out notifications, saying alert, you're active now. They, they didn't send me that. I just every once in a while I would try to get on. And I would see whether I could log on or not. And it let me. And I was like surprised. So I started posting over on Truth Social. And that's great. And I'm building my follower base. So it's um, if you go over to Truth Social and you're active, uh, check out Scott Adams Show. I'm Scott Adams Show pretty much everywhere. So Scott Adams Show on Twitter. Scott Adams Show on Truth Social. Scott Adams Show on Parlor. And Scott Adams show on Getter. Um, I'm active on all of them. When I post something on one thing, I try to post it on all the others. Um, So whatever platform you like the most, check it out. Try it out. Um, But I I will tell you that um, uh, True Social needs a little work, actually. And and here's the problem is it... It sort of smells to me like they're struggling. You know, they need some investors. And like I was saying last week, this Elon Musk thing tends to be a little bit uh, of a of a problem, I think, for Truth Social. And that's why I thought it was interesting when when Elon Musk was toying around with, you know, whether or not he would bring Donald Trump's account back. Not only does it make Donald Trump someone looking like he's answering to Elon Musk, which I don't think is a good optic, you know? Oh, thank you, sir, man, you know, for letting me back on your platform. You know, Trump's the chairman of the board. He's the boss with the cufflinks, right? I mean, he's the guy at the end of the table. So it doesn't, it's not a good look for Trump to be answering and kissing the ring of Elon Musk. That's number one. And then number two, though, if you're an investor that you're, you're thinking about investing in, you know, in uh, Truth Social, you're going to think twice because, you know, what are you investing for? You're investing to get a return on your investment, right? That's, that's what happens, right? That's how capitalism works. Venture capitalists, they dig deep into their pockets, they give you the money, and they expect something in return. That's why they're rich, they're not in the business of losing money. Never. The person putting out the money never wants to lose it. And so they want to get it back, and they want to get it back in spades. And if if it's looking shaky, and so the only thing that could shake things up, really, is if Twitter were to come back and say, we're the free speech platform. 
Everybody's welcome back, and we're going to restore all these accounts, and you're going to see their stock go through the roof. And those investors that were thinking about investing in Getter and Parler and Gab and Truth Social are going to maybe take their money over to Twitter. And maybe they won't, but maybe they, but, but, but maybe they won't invest in Truth Social. So I got to think that that's, that's really putting some uh, skepticism and a little bit of fear into that investment. The volatility, the risk goes up with every move that Elon makes over at Twitter. And so that volatility and risk for the potential investor. So if you're Devin Nunes out in California and you're, you're trying to woo investors, right? Please give me some money. They're going to be like, well, we're going to wait and see how things shake up over at Twitter first. In an election year, that could actually change the outcome of an election. So then my question, you know, was, is this a ruse? Is Elon Musk a friend or a foe? And I read that report to you, The Guardian posted, where the CEO of Disney, I think it was Eisner at the time, it's not the same one as now, but um, the uh, CEO of Disney and Elon Musk both left the Trump business panel they were the first two to leave. They turned coat and ran because Trump decided to get out of that Paris Accord and or the Paris Agreement. And Trump was right to do that. It was right for America. It was it was a bad deal for America. It was a globalist dream. It was great for the globalists. It was great for Schwab over at the World Economic Forum. It was great for uh, the IMF, it was great for the globalists in Brussels, but it was not a good deal at all for the United States. It was also great for China. And so, and it's also great for Russia. And it's great for, you know, a lot of these laundering nations, like Ukraine is a globalist laundering state. They were supposed to, you know, somehow, you know, think is is the martyr and the victim in this whole thing. When, in fact, we knew for 15, 20 years, all this that's happening today was going to happen. And so, I don't know. I mean, I'm not so sure that Elon Musk is, uh, well, I happen to know that Elon Musk is not a good friend of Trump's. And, uh, And so, I just wonder what his motives are. And it could be a twofer. And it remains to be seen. And we should be skeptical. And we should have our eyes open. And we should look at that whole picture and say, if this happens really fast, and a lot of good things happen for the conservative movement, but we gotta, we got to trust but verify. we got to make sure that we are not buying into these conspiracies and these, theory, these theories. We need to make sure that what we get when we look in our pocket is we get a return on our investment. And if we're investing our support for Elon Musk, he's got to give us something in return. Elon, It's not a one-way street with this trust factor. And, you know, it's interesting, too, when we take a look at Disney and Netflix and how they're getting crushed and CNN+. Plus. 
These these companies are getting crushed. And in part because and, and when you think about that, okay, now think about this for a second. I, I I'm getting sick and tired of, you know, every time I turn on a Netflix program, I'm getting this this checkbox of things, you know, it's got to be trans, it's got to be, um, it's got to be trans, it's got to be LGBTQ, it's got to be all these different things. I just started watching this series called, over on HBO Max, called um, uh, Flight Attendant. And the healthy, normal uh, sibling is the guy that's, it's an interracial, two gay guys with interracial kids and they're the normal ones, and it's the flight attendant that's the straight blonde that's the, also the executive producer of that series. And she's the skitzy one, right? And it's just, it's constantly this like role reversal kind of thing. I think it was first done, you know, say with the Huxtables and, and Bill Cosby. And that was what was so special and unique about what was going on there is. Uh, that uh, it, it was your, your role stereotype. And speaking of role stereotypes, guess what? The Hispanics that are coming across the border aren't voting Democrat. There was this report that says Hispanics are leaving the Democrats in droves. I thought, wow, wouldn't that be big? They just imported all the wrong voters and they thought they were getting all the right voters. I still think, though, that that's why they, they just want the head count. They want to turn that ID into a ballot and they want to basically manufacture that ballot internally in a system like the uh, QuickBooks invoicing scenario that I used to share with our audience where you could actually create an invoice and pay an invoice without ever mailing the invoice. And that's why it was such a big concern when we were investigating election fraud for 2020's election and there were all these ballots that were never folded because they were just printed straight out from the system. And how did they get here if they were never folded, right? And of course, nobody really ever followed up on that because I guess they didn't have an answer or they couldn't prove their case. But that's more than likely what was going on, that they were just internally printing these invoices or invoices, ballots, you know, and turning them into voters. So they get the ID, and as soon as you have an ID, you know, the one thing you need for a ballot is an account. That's why in QuickBooks, the one thing you need for an invoice is an associated account. Once you get the account, you can create all the kinds of invoices you want. And you can actually mark them paid with any credit card on the planet. But you need that account first. And so importing these accounts, whether it's a refugee or an open border uh, migrant, it doesn't matter. That's what they want. So that's why they want to get rid of Title 42 and all this. And, you know, the thing that Abbott is doing, moving the uh, moving these uh, migrants to D.C., it, it seems kind of fun that he's doing that but you know it's like hey you know this is your problem now but it's really not because from dc they can go anywhere they can go to virginia and flip virginia they can go to uh maryland and solidify maryland they can uh right head right up to the, the the road to pennsylvania 
and uh, Delaware and take care of business there. You know, there's two states that belong to the Republicans. Even though Virginia went, they said, to Biden, I, I know that there was fraud there. Because I remember the night of the election, they called Virginia at 7 p.m. And that's the other thing, too. With the French election that happened over the weekend, they knew the results of that election at 8 p.m., which is when the polls closed in France. And they knew that Emmanuel Macron won. And they knew they had the exact right percentage. And they have these little blue cards that are like paper ballots, and they can count them. And it's so easy to do. I don't know why we need these computer machines. If you can't count faster than a person can vote, then what's the point? You don't need a computer to count faster, uh, uh, to count. You don't need a computer to count and keep up pace. Because all these things are tallied as you go along. And like I say, I, I think that what we need is we need a paper ballot. I fill out the paper ballot. It goes into a machine, and I get a receipt just like I've shopped at CVS. Well, CVS might be a bad example because they give you that long receipt that you can wrap around the block. No. I, give me a short receipt. And that's proof positive. Not only did I vote, there's my. Uh, I could verify all the information was correct, and that system gets counted, and everything is done. It's all instant. This whole thing where it's all done with the internet connections behind closed doors and a whole ball of wax. That that is just a recipe for fraud, and everybody knows it. It's like. Do we want to know whether or not you're a citizen? No. We don't want to know if you're a citizen, and we don't want to see your ID. Um, and we don't really care whether or not you're the one bringing in your ballot. We have a ballot harvester for that. And we don't care that you might have a, a handful of, of ballots that you're going to drop in for your entire family and neighborhood into the drop box. And we don't care whether or not that ballot gets here three days late, just so long as it's rubber stamped on the day. It's unreal. When they first passed that law, I was like, you mean to tell me that you could actually take a, a ballot and count it three days after the election's over? So you know exactly how many votes you need? <laughs> you lost by 100,000 votes? Okay, I need 101,000 votes. Thank you very much. That's insane. It's ridiculous. Only in America. And how in the world are they getting getting away with it is beyond me. It makes zero sense to me. It's absolutely absurd. And it should never happen again. And so that's why we got to keep our eye on the ball with regard to Fauci and his dirty little tricks. Meanwhile, you know, it's a, it's a sad, sad state of affairs when China is in charge of the COVID cover-up. Legal agreement allows Wuhan to destroy documents at a University of Texas lab funded by Anthony Fauci's NIAID. How do you like those apples? So a 2017 Memorandum of Understanding between the Wuhan Institute of Virology and the University of Texas Medical Branch 
at Galveston gives the Chinese government-owned biological research lab the right to demand the U.S. taxpayer-funded facility destroy documents. According to the MOU, the Memorandum of Understanding, all cooperation and exchange documents, data, details, and materials should be treated as confidential by the, the parties. The confidentiality obligation should be obli- uh, obligatory through the duration of this MOU after and after it has been terminated. The party is entitled to ask the, the other to destroy and or return the secret files materials without any backups. Emphasis was added for without any backups. The document was signed by UTMB investigator James Leduc, WIV, uh, which is the Wuhan Institute of Virology, coordinating uh, Ziming Yuan, and UTMB senior vice president and general counsel Carol E. Uh, A. King, an expert in health care and regulatory law, hospital compliance, fraud and abuse, medical liability, physician practice, and clinical research. So the U.S. right to know, which obtained the memorandum, headlined its story, Wuhan Lab can delete data in explosive legal agreement with U.S. Lab. So this was something that uh, the U.S. right to know, an organization, got. Legal observers have never seen anything quite like it. Anytime, and someone said this, uh, this was uh, Emily Kopp. Anytime I see a public entity, I would be very concerned about destroying records. And that was the attorney Reuben Gutman told Right to Know Emily Kopp. The destruction clause, Gutman said, is quite frankly explosive. Wow. So how are we ever going to get to the bottom of this stuff? You know, and the same thing is true. There's new information coming out about the uh, um, uh, the Las Vegas shooting, and there's a there's just a lot of information coming out about the FBI and their involvement in all these different crimes, because the same guy that was in charge of the kidnapping in Michigan was also the guy that was moved over and to cover up the J six. Thing And people are demanding now that they see the text messages and phone records of someone like Nancy Pelosi. But they're, again, they're in charge of this investigation. And again, the investigation um, that was spearheading, you know, the investigation into Hillary, we saw that that went nowhere. And then years after the fact, we're finding out there was fraud and abuse and, and corruption going on there. This two standards of justice cannot stand. We, we need to have honorable people in our law enforcement. But we're not seeing that. We're not seeing that at all. And that's, uh, that's a scary, scary, scary thing. So, I don't know. But, um, and then the other big story today that people are covering on social media is the fertilizer story. And there's a lot of information that's on that as well. The fertilizer story. So all these different food packing plants, whether it's craft or whatever, they're, they're burning to the ground. 
And, you know, like I uh, read on <clears throat> on uh, Friday, you know, if you want to control the people, you control their food. And if you want to control a continent, you control the oil. And if you want to control the world, you control the banks. And they control them all, don't they? BlackRock is the bank. Vanguard is the bank. They're controlling the world, the World Economic Forum. And this guy named Klaus Schwab, Klaus Schwab is like the dirtiest scumbag on the planet. There's pictures of him in leather straps and things. This guy's like into some really kinky stuff, apparently. But this Schwab guy is the founder and chairman of the World Economic Forum. And he's author of the book, COVID-19, The Great Reset. At least 4 billion useless eaters, he called them, should be eliminated by the year 2050 by means of limited wars, organized epidemics of fatal rapid-acting diseases, and starvation. Energy, food, and water shall be kept at subsistence levels for the non-elite starting with the white populations of Western Europe and North America and then spreading to other races. The population of Canada, Western Europe, and the United States will be decimated more rapidly than any uh, on, on other continents until the world's population reaches a manageable level of 1 billion, of which 500 million will consist of Chinese and Japanese races. It's kind of interesting. It says it's an excerpt from the book COVID-19, The Great Reset. I'll tell you the, the truth, though. This, this COVID thing is just, was so, they milked it for all it was worth. I mean, the thing that we're dealing with right now with this COVID thing is just one thing. But the liberals and the socialists and the globalists are stopping at nothing. You know, I was thinking over the weekend, too, about what TikTok is going through, right? So they're doxing her, and they're basically saying, well, she could be a foreign actor. That Lorenzo uh, woman, Laura Lorenz, I think is her name, something like that, Tracy Lorenz. And she's what writes for the Washington Post. Well, she was doxing the uh, libs of TikTok woman, and which is, you know, can get the libs of TikTok woman killed. Right. I mean, that's that's akin to murder just for what? What what is the crime that TikTok is doing? What's their crime? Their crime is going over to TikTok and taking videos and putting them on Twitter and putting them on True Social and putting them on Getter and putting them on Gab and putting them on Facebook. And you say, well, what's the big deal? And why would the Democrats be concerned? And I got to tell you, it's kind of interesting. And I wrote up a piece about this. But the idea is this. That the idea is that pedophiles act differently around your children when the parent is not there and that's one of the problems right so you want you know and that's one of the things that backfired on these globalists with respect to the schools and the teaching and the zoom 
we were able to see these teachers and what they were teaching our children. And it was a wake-up call, and it ignited a frenzy. And it basically got parents to go out there and protest. And then the FBI got involved and started taking names and numbers and declaring that parents who care about their children were considered domestic terrorists. Yet these predators and the folks over at Disney are not. So it just doesn't make any sense, right? But uh, the idea is, is that the brilliance of what Libs of TikTok is doing, and the, their brilliance is this. TikTok is a, is a platform where a lot of children go and play. Right? They, they do goofy things on TikTok. So naturally, you get these weird teachers with, you know, all kinds of uh, pierced facial piercings and colored hair and all this stuff. Okay, and that's fine. Good. Pierce your face. Dye your hair. I could care less. But don't talk to my children about it. You know, don't talk to our children about your weirdness. I don't know why they want to do that, but they're doing it. And in part, I do know why they're doing it. Because in eight years, guess what? The 10-year-old votes. If you're 10 years old, in eight years, that's just two election cycles, you're voting. And to me, that's a scary notion. And what they're trying to do is take God out of your life and replace it with government. And they're trying to infect a child's decision to be a, a person of faith and embrace Christianity and replace it with this goofy rhetoric. And what they're doing is they're going on platforms and these people are being paid. They're operatives. They're influencers. They're paid to influence. They're paid to indoctrinate. They're paid to groom. And when they go on TikTok, what they're doing is they're, they know what audience is over on TikTok. It's kids. So what TikTok is saying is, look at what they're telling our kids over on TikTok. Libs of TikTok is then taking those videos and putting them on adult platforms like Twitter and Facebook. And they're saying, look at this. Look how ridiculous this is. Right? And it's basically saying, look at what your children are being told and exposed to over on Tick, lives of tick, uh, tick, uh, low over on TikTok. Look at what they're doing on TikTok. Just like look at what your teacher is teaching your children in that Zoom experience. And it's eye-opening. And you know, TikTok, nothing for nothing, but it's owned by China. And so, you know, it's, it's got to, it's something that we have to stop. Because not only is it an indoctrination and it's organized. This isn't just organic. There's nothing organic about it. This is, this is um, strategic. This is PSYOP type of stuff. This is a planned attack on your children. Because not only are the, the Democrats going after going after the borders and going after the police and dividing America on race. Uh, they're gaslighting Americans on uh, 
the real realistic uh, nature of the population of LBGDQ, it's so much smaller than what we see on TV. But every time you turn on Netflix or turn on HBO Max or turn on Amazon Prime or turn on some series, you're seeing some sort of representation of all these fringe groups that are really a small percentage of the United States. That when you go out there in real life, you don't really see this much dosage of this kind of um, alternative behavior. And it's a way to, to try to normalize. And, you know, I was in uh, Philadelphia this past weekend. And I saw more and more people holding hands. And you can tell a lot of these people weren't even gay. They were just same gender holding hands. And what it said to me was, and they were all of a certain age. And the, the age was uh, late high school, early college you know like maybe 20 years old 19 years old stuff like that it's gotten to be trendy it's gotten to and, and i think it's almost like a fad now and i think that too will pass you know at some point this type of fad is going to we're going to look back on this in seven years and say that was goofy just like we're going to look back at our, our zest and appeal for the Kardashians and say, what were we thinking? What, they, they weren't talented. What was up with their big butts? You know, it's like the, the Kardashians. I don't get it. I, don't, I never understood the appeal, frankly. Um, but it's shiny and it's glittery and it gets people's attention. I don't see the appeal. And, you know, that's what sells Fords and Chevys. Everybody has a different set of tastes, and that's great, and that's fine. But I, I really honestly think we're going to look back at this period in time, and we're going to see it as a fad. And we're going to question, what were we thinking? You know, I think at some point. This is all such a cultural war, isn't it? So these TikTok people are grooming our children. Disney's grooming our children. The teachers are grooming our children. And you say, we're not just fighting this war of the open borders and the globalism and the, and the climate initiative. And, and everything is done as a disguise. The vaccine uh, passport is being used to, to get to the social credit score system, meaning that their advancement of the social credit score system is being disguised as a vaccine passport, public safety for your health kind of thing. And the climate initiative is this whole thing about, you know, the world is going to come to an end before you know it. And it's all just a ruse. Because, you know, these world organizations were, were calling doom and gloom on climate 20 years ago. And I posted something um, over the weekend on this. And it was a great, good article. And I don't have it in front of me. But, but the idea is that they were wrong. And, you know, just like they were wrong about the masks. Just like they were wrong about the therapeutics. Just like they were wrong about remdesivir. Just like they're wrong about everything. You know, what's the difference between a conspiracy and the truth? Six months. 
And yet every time we question something, we get censored on big tech platforms. That's why I'm really hoping that Elon Musk works out for us. But I'm saying be skeptical. And I'm saying have some reservations about the motives there. Because it very well could be to hurt someone like Donald Trump, get investors over at Truth Social, and it could really impact. If it doesn't go the way we need it to go, it could have a negative impact on the election outcomes. And and I don't think that they're going to be able to stop the red wave tra- freight train that's coming. The Trump train is going to roll steamroll all over the Democrats this 2022 election. I don't think there's a snowball's chance that they can they can get there. I don't think that they keep the House or the Senate. And I think that's just going to be so great because it's going to slow down uh the Biden cronies' uh, liberal agenda, right? It's just going to slow them down. It's going to be a a way for us to roadblock. But if we get these opportunities in the House and Senate, we need to get rid of McCarthy and get rid of Mitch McConnell and get new leadership in there because they suck. They absolutely suck. And so we need to do better as as a conservative movement, okay, and get the right people in leadership. I was just reading an article this morning preparing for the show, and, and they said, remember, don't ever forget that McCarthy did not whip the, uh, the uh, Republicans. He was the minority whip. He did not, he did not whip his, his uh, Republican colleagues uh, with regard to the impeachment trial in the House. And he failed at that. And that was an easy no-brainer win. There's no way he should have lost that. Even if you do have Kinzinger and, and Liz Cheney and all these, these morons, these evil people. But yeah, so you know, we're not just fighting what's right in front of us. We're fighting future elections. And that's what this indoctrination is all about. It's not just about pedophilia. It's not just about that. It's actually more than that. It's, it's about indoctrination and grooming people to be liberal. And the, the way you get to being liberal <laughs> is to basically have no moral code whatsoever. And, you know, again, I, I have liberal friends and I just can't believe they've endorsed what we're seeing play out before us. And it's just absurd. So over the weekend, also, Maria Bartiroma had, um, had John Ratcliffe on. And I wanted to play this John Ratcliffe uh, clip uh, because it was actually a really good uh, excerpt. So we're going to go ahead and play that. It says, defrauding the government is a felony and making false statements to investigators is a felony. And when multiple people do it together, it's a conspiracy. And he thinks that what's been revealed in John Durham's filings is just scratching the surface. Uh, and then there's a uh, funny meme. We're going to play that clip in just a second. Um, <laughs> all right. So there's one dirty word in here. I got to read it so I make sure I don't say it. But it, I got a big laugh out of this over the weekend. I posted it and it actually got a lot of buzz. And I just it, it just flashed up in front of me. So I'm going to read it. And then we're going to play that John Ratcliffe clip. So the guy goes, 
I was in the mall yesterday and walked into the bookstore. I asked if they had Trump's new book on how to deport illegal immigrants. And the clerk said, get the heck out of here and don't come back. And the guy's reply was, yes, that's the one. Do you have it in paperback? <laughs> get the heck out of here and don't come back. That's the name of the book. <laughs> that was funny. Uh, you'd have to, you'd have to be in my head, I guess, to get that one. All right, so let's take a listen to uh, John Ratcliffe and Maria Bartiromo. This was a good exchange. Real quick, got to move on to John Doran because many of those intelligence uh, associates, John Brennan, James Clapper, they were also involved in this massive big lie of Russia-Trump collusion. Give us your assessment of what took place this week in terms of John Durham's investigation. Do you believe we will finally see accountability here? Uh, we've been talking about this. Boy, it's from 2017 you've been on this program telling us the truth about the Russia collusion lie. So what's so important about John Durham's uh, disclosures uh, this past week about things like that the uh, the Trump Yoda phone uh, in the transition communicating, you know, with, uh, with the Kremlin that had been alleged or the thousands of questions that Adam Schiff and Democrats asked about transactions between a Russian alpha bank and um, uh and Trump officials, that all of that was, um, as, as he says under oath in, in court pleadings, technically impossible uh, and user created. And so these were things that those of us in the intelligence community and law enforcement were well aware of. And now the American people are finding out. And as you said, you know, intelligence officials like Clapper and Brennan back in 2016 and Comey and others knew that that uh, that all of this was was uh, fraudulent and, and shouldn't be a basis to move forward. But why it's why it's important is, Maria, what it's showing is that this was a coordinated effort by Hillary Clinton campaign officials, by executives that were working with them, lawyers that worked for the campaign campaign, um, you know, all attempting to defraud the federal government. And and uh, and as you said earlier, you know, uh, defrauding the government is a felony. Making false statements to, to federal investigators is a felony. And when multiple people do it together, that is a conspiracy. And I think that's what's being revealed in, in John Durham's uh, filings. Yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot that's going to be coming out in in all of this. Um, by the way, this uh, National Review. Okay, so this was the uh, two. There's a lot of different things here that I I have to read for you, but um, and in the little bit of time that we have left, but uh, this one says Democratic nightmare, historic collapse of Hispanic support. So over on trending politics. Um, it says Democrats are facing a nightmare scenario with six months to go before the midterm elections. A majority of their base doesn't know that their party is losing support with one of the major constituent groups, the Hispanic voters. Hispanics, they are rapidly becoming Republicans. Their Republican, their their problems are compounded with President Biden failing miserably, as shown in recent polling. In response, leftists and spending a lot of time on defense, trying to shift the blame for infla inflation, immigration, the war in Ukraine, and the, sh and the still lingering COVID-19 pandemic to former President Trump. The, this makes for a depressing political atmosphere for President Biden. Um, so statistically, the Democrats also have a uh, history against them. 
So it's 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 a report that uh, I think uh, could be very promising for the uh, Republicans. And the other thing I wanted to say real quick is thirty. Uh, it says thirty years of the now or never uh, climate initiative, right? So um, the climate cry. And it says there was a basically a recent report at the United Nations, 2,913 pages. And it basically says that ever since 2007, here we go again in 2007, uh, the IPCC reported assured that irreversible climate apocalypse would come within eight years and demanded action now or never. They're doing the same thing now. And again, their promises never came true. So uh, do you believe them now, even though they've been wrong every single time throughout the past? And I'd say no. A couple of things. If you uh, purchased a MyPillow in the last uh, six months, anything from MyPillow using a red state code, uh, go ahead and email MyPillow at ScottAdamsShow.com. That's MyPillow at ScottAdamsShow.com. And give us a testimonial or tell us what you thought of your product, and we might just read it on the air. And we're collecting them. We got a bunch of them already. We're going through them. And uh, I was busy in the uh, in Philly this weekend. One of the things that was nice is on the Amtrak train, guess what? Nobody was wearing masks. It was unbelievable. I couldn't get over it, really, that uh, people abandoned the science for <laughs> that quickly. So that was an interesting little observation that I made there. And um, uh, be sure to go over to magapack.org. Make a donation if you can. Uh, we're supporting America First policies to make America great again. And they are supporters of Red State Talk Radio and the Scott Adams Show. And also, if you go to my pillow, use Red State as your code. And also, um, my Patriot Supply, mps.scottadamshow.com, will get you a discount over at My Patriot Supply. All right. Well, we'll see you next time on the radio. Thank you all for listening. <laughs>